for three days. He locked he locked himself in the studio, oh and he God. played he played the song "Wild Thing" over and over for <laughs> three days. You're just like, what the heck is going on? You know, the, the studios really only mad about that because they got to pay the the royalty rights on "Wild Thing" like all day, every day, right? Like they're sending out that check. They're mad about it. Like we got to get the studio back. Oh, absolutely. So, so they get finally after three days, he came out or they, they let him, I don't know what happened, but he had locked himself in and then they renamed the station wild one Oh two. I love that. I was like, that is so brilliant. That was such a that's, good that's a great way to capitalize on a, on a, did you ever do anything host? like that as a radio host? I never did anything like that <laughs> as a radio host. host. No. Do you play the yeah. guitar or is that just I decoration? Do. No, no, okay. I play the guitar. I'm, I'm a, I'm a trained musician, man. I, I, that's yeah. kind of my heart. So yeah, I do. and you got one back there too. What about you? You were we jamming just today? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's I, I definitely play. I'm I'm trained musician, uh, retired musician, I guess. I was a trumpet player. Um, yeah, I played trumpet play in the, college. Play the piano. Um, yeah. I like to improv on the piano. That's fun. And That's uh, great, were you jazz? I guy? write songs for my kiddos. What's up? Were you a jazz guy? Uh, I didn't, I, I was, but I didn't have the confidence for jazz. I had a super yeah. inferiority com complex when I was yeah. younger. And, and, uh, so I was in, I, I led the jazz band, That's but awesome, that was dude. so uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I was terrified. So. I think that like one of the things, so I went to college for music, right? Okay. Uh, I, went to I went to a jazz school. I didn't major in jazz, but all of my friends were jazz musicians. Um, but I think that the thing that, that I didn't like about music as like professionally kind of in college and making, being real serious about it. It, it just sucked the joy out of it. You know, it sucked the social, the, like the social nature of music out of Dude. it. It sucked the fun out of it. Um, You've seen August rush. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Great. Right, great. Well, musicians, man. We can geek out on this yeah. all day. And, and let's be honest, music is the absolute key to the future finance, isn't it? So <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't hurt, that's for sure. I'll no, say that. no we, we are going to be diving into finance, everybody. Um, and just speaking of, um, if you could just give one tip on finance, what would it be? Oh, uh, the world is all right. Fun. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up, Vision Pros? Welcome in to another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business, and I'm excited to have Franklin J. Parker on the show today. We're going to be talking about the future of finance and how it is personal. So we're going to get personal about finance. We're going to talk about his vision regarding that. One of my favorite things about his form submission of who he is and what he does is that he says, I'm an imposter. Um, and he talked about shifting gears from the world of music and being a Southern boy into, of course, the world of finance. I think he's going to blow our minds today. So I'm going to team up and put him on a huge pedestal that he now has to live up to. This will be fun. Um, so before we dive into the Franklin's story and, and how he got the knowledge he has regarding finance, um, we're going to dive into some of these sponsors. So those of you who are in a position where you're trying to scale your companies, distribution is top of marketing funnel. We use cold click for our LinkedIn automation. That's one of our trade secrets. I'm just not very secretive. Um, so Art Hoffman runs that program and we use Ulink and Octopus as, as part of it. Um, it's part of the, the platform, but 
the key is not just having the right tools. You can give me a garage to be a car mechanic and all the right tools equipped with it. I'm going to suck at being a car mechanic. The key is to get the right people in the right positions to help you do the right thing so that you can move your business forward effectively. And again, distribution top of funnel, you need to get in front of more people. So do we. Um, so we use cold click. Um, the Simply Fast website at the top there too. Uh, Shane launched that. Now, um, I don't... This is such a hard subject for me to talk about because we don't use it, but I almost guarantee you I would have hired Shane right away for my first website had I known that there was a platform where somebody, an individual, was willing to do websites at 179 bucks per website. And that's where I would have started um, if I had done things the right way. At the same time, as a young entrepreneur, I was highly distractible. So I was playing with Wix and I was trying to learn Squarespace and I was also building with Weebly and with with different Divi and Elementor and WordPress. And I, I wanted to be over involved in that process. But I will tell you, as a young entrepreneur, I had to learn the lesson over and over that busy is broke. If you want to move your, your life forward, you want to move your business forward, learning how to delegate and who to delegate to is a, a very, very helpful uh, thing to move forward. Your website is not likely to be the catalyst to seven figures and beyond as so many people promise. So I'd recommend working with somebody like Shane, um, knowing that there are web developers, web designers out there, you can contact, of course, and you should consult several, but this is an opportunity to, if you're launching your brand for the first time, just get it launched, get it out there. Imperfect progress is far better than perfect and, and never hitting it. So um, with that said, one more shout out, and that goes to the water project. If you're in the giving mood or you want to I don't know, resurrect your heart a little bit. This is a great opportunity to do so. Uh, the Water Project represents <clears throat> uh, people who do not have access to clean drinking water. There are millions of people in the world who are less fortunate than those of us who have the time or the opportunity to listen to an episode like this. Um, so please do me a favor, either share this link with people um, or share a link for a cause that you want us to support um, so that we can spread the word about other needs that are out there. Um, and what I love about the Water Project is that you get to choose the community that you're going to help and then they will give you an update of what's going on in that community, what it is they're building, how they're going about the project. Um, you probably will learn more than you, you want to even learn. Um, but usually that inspires us to, to take on greater capacities as leaders um, anyway. So water projects, a big deal. Uh, I'd love to see you support it um, and, and feel free to share so or feel free to do so anonymously, of course. Um, but thank you for your time and attention on that. Without further ado, Franklin J. Parker, welcome to Vision Pros Live, man. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, I gave you a, a super hyperbolic introduction, um, yeah, not my norm, um, but I, I dig your personality, man. And, and I know you're going to throw down. So if you were to define who should be listening right now, um, who should that be and why should they listen to you? Yeah, that's such a tough question. I, And partly because I feel like such an imposter in, the, in, in pretty much everything I've done. Um, so I think anybody who just feels that way, like anybody who feels like they're they're kind of making it up as they go <laughs> you know even though you may have this killer resume you still kind of show up every day and you're like i don't know how to solve this problem and you just do it anyway like those are the folks that have my heart for sure um, hey man i will join you in that definition of imposter yeah. i would join you on that i mean so many people would think that that's so negative but i think that's actually us hiding from the realities that we're all humans learning every day along this life yeah. and if we're not what the heck are we doing so exactly. uh, Interesting, yeah. interesting observation. Okay, so if you're struggling with the imposter syndrome that's holding you back and limiting you, this is going to be super helpful. In the world of finance, 
what what qualifies you? What what are some of the things that we should know? You know, there's there's fiduciary. I can't even say the word fiduciaries out there. there. Yeah. Um, there we go. That that they have certain type of of, of caliber of status qualifications that allow mm -hmm. us to know that they're supposed to be non-biased in what they do. And, and I don't really know how that works because I'm not a fiduciary. Um, mm -hmm. Just a fun F word to say. Um, mm -hmm. Then there's uh, people who are CPAs and get their MBAs and all these acronyms that most people don't know. Yeah. What, yeah. What, no, finance look is, is a big place, right? Um, and I, I talked to a lot of uh, kind of college students who are wanting to get into finance, right? And my first question is, well, what do you want to do? I mean, what are you good at? Because, you know, finance is like any other industry. I mean, you need you need accountants, you need CEOs, you need CFOs, you need people who are good with numbers, you need people who are good with people, you need website designers. I mean, everything you need in any other line of work, you need in finance, right? And I think that, um, you know, people have this vision of finance that it's all billions or whatever did you ever watch billions on hbo i didn't okay all right. it's it's good Just for context for, yeah 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 it's it's, it's a, it follows this guy who's a hedge fund manager you know and it's all very dramatic and and i always joke that like no uh, one really wants to do a real show about finance on tv because it would be super boring it's just like, <laughs> it's just like videos it's kind of like suits but for finance people yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I love suits too. That was good. I love suits. Like, that's not how lawyers work, right? <laughs> if it is, I'm not no, They're a little too nice. Never mind. I'm not going to there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw myself under a bus really here. Like, what, what a toxic work environment. I, I remember watching that, that show and I was like, this is such a toxic work environment. Who would ever say that? But anyway. That that's well really said. Good. Well said. That, that's true. Um, the, yeah. the, the banter, man, would make it hard to leave, in my opinion. But um, <laughs> but no, you're right. As If you think about the realities of going through that, I, yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought about outside of a show perspective. Praise the Lord. I love that. I love like that, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's my Southern heart right there. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So uh, again, it's not, it's not, it's not billions. It's not all, all hedge funds and all that. Um, yeah. What is it? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I always tell people about finance in general is that you know, we talk about all this business stuff. We talk about, I mean, in finance, we're talking specifically about money and investments and, you know, cash flows and balance sheets and all of this. But but all of these things that we talk about with money, uh, at the end of the day, have nothing at all to do with money, right? That finance just facilitates the accomplishment of real things in the real world, whether it's a business or whether it's an individual or whether it's a non-for-profit organization or whatever it is. And so the first thing that the first thing that finance is about has to be people. Um, and I think when finance goes wrong, we we forget that, right? Those are the, those mm -hmm. are the times when finance has gone really wrong is when we forget that it's it's primarily about people and it's about accomplishing real things. Um, and to accomplish things, you have to have resources to do that, right? And so you need to yeah. you need to organize labor, right? You need people to do things. You, you need to organize capital, which is just resources that have been saved up in the past. And you need to deploy those resources in order to um, to kind of accomplish the vision that you want to accomplish. Uh, whatever it is, but, but finance is about the facilitation of the organization of those resources, uh, of those resources, right? That's ultimately what finance is about. And exactly where you want to sit in finance is a big question. So, um, you know, like I, I spent and still spend a long time in the family office space, which is, um, 
I don't know you're familiar with the family office space. I don't want to, I don't want to explain anything. Teach uh, me. Yeah. Yeah. So right. When you're very, yeah. When you're very, very wealthy, um, you, you know, like hundreds of millions of dollars, wealthy billionaire status, uh, you, you hire professionals to work on just your financial picture. So you hire an investment guy or gal, you hire an accountant, you hire bookkeepers, you hire, you know, someone to manage your, your, family dynamics, for example, like all of these things, mm -hmm. whatever it is you need doing. And then that, that group of people is called the family office, right? Mm. And if you think about it, if you have- Oh yeah, I, I did not grow up with this environment. <laughs> yeah. I didn't either, man. So I, I grew up lower middle class, right? Yeah. Like, uh, so this was all eye-opening for me, but um, yeah. And if you think about it, like when you have three quarters of a billion dollars, you know, you, that's basically a business you're running. That, that's all- oh, Absolutely. Business. And you very often own businesses, right? And so that's an added piece of the equation. So, uh, so I spent quite a while in the family office. You're giving space. me life goals now, by the way. Have a yeah. family office space. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Me both. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was uh, most recently the chief investment officer for a, for a family. Uh, I was their investment guy, and uh, we had a little team and everything. Um, I forgot where I was going with this train of thought, but. Um, yeah, no, but uh, that's my fault for interrupting you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it's such a such a small train in such a big space. You know, it gets lost. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, um, um, I think I was going here. So, like, if you're like on my side, I now run an REA. So I, I do financial planning and investment management for for individuals and for wealthy families. Um, you know, that's that's a different zone of finance. So it's it's an interesting overlap between understanding people and understanding investments and understanding numbers, right? And you really need um, both of those types of folks. And then of course there's investment banking, which is a whole different world. And then there's, you know, fund management, which is a whole different world. So, you know, if someone's looking to get into finance, it is its own universe of things to do. It is. And I'm, I'm really glad that you highlighted that. That is mind blowing for anybody who hasn't heard that they have the opportunity of their mind blown. And, and here's why. Um, I think the the conversation of the the difference between the rich and the poor, um, you know, is, is so overgeneralized that it's often just becomes kind of a shouting match um, without mm -hmm. very much productivity. But the productivity comes from exploring the difference in in, in lifestyles and how the systems processes function. Um, and, and you're talking about a system that I think most people haven't haven't heard of or paid attention to. I had never heard of it. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't reach that level, but now it gives me insight into, oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I've, I've thought of, you know, everybody knows you've got a wealth advisor or finance advisor, but I had never heard the term of the family office space. And I've thought about the personal chef, um, you know, and the fact that somebody might have a personal chef, um, but you've alluded to the greater team at work that's there to coach, maintain and move things forward. And so why do they get the rich get richer? A lot of times it's because of the infrastructure um, that's that's supporting uh, the way that they've built their dynasties. Um, I, yeah. It's taken for yeah. granted. Yeah. And I, I don't want to, I mean, not to cut you off. Um, so I, I would actually argue that, um, you know, very wealthy folks, so, so especially, especially wealth creators. So people who start a business that grows very large, which is almost always um, how family offices start. Mm. Um, you know, they, they have, because like I said, I grew up lower middle class, right? But but very wealthy people have a different way of thinking about the world um, than the rest of us do. 
So like I was raised with the power of thrift, right? If you want a beach house in Florida, you live below your means and you save your money for 30 years and you can retire to a beach house in Florida. Congratulations. I mean, that's what I was taught, right? Like the world is static. You make this much, you, 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 you know, a beach house costs this much. You have to save this much. And that's just not how extremely wealthy people think. Um, to them, money is just a problem to solve. It's just another resource that you have to bring to bear to get what, to, to accomplish your goals, right? So using this simple example, like if, if you want a beach house in Florida, you know, you'd look around and say, okay, who has the capital? What bank will lend money against it? Let's put it in an LLC. We'll throw that thing on Airbnb. We'll cash flow it. And I've got a free beach house in Florida today. Like that's how, that's how that mindset works. And the way I sum this up, and this was the most powerful lesson, you know, having operated in this environment for a while now, um, this is the most powerful lesson to me. It's just that the world is malleable. It's not static. With enough energy and with enough capital, with enough resources, with enough vision, um, you really can change your world. And once you change the world kind of immediately around you, you can influence and change the wider world. And that's that's both comforting and kind of scary, right? Because it's it's sort of easy to sit back and say, well, the world just is what it is, right? I have no responsibility for it. You have no responsibility for it. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, and so the first difficult thing is showing up and saying, well, no, if there's something I don't like about the world, I actually could change it if I wanted to. I just choose not to. <laughs> so there's a kind of moral weight that comes with that, right? Yeah. And then secondly, it shifts blame. So now it's much harder to look around and say, you know, I, I'm just not there because of fill in the blank instead of saying, well, I'm just choosing not to solve the problems I need to solve. Uh, and that's just a Absolutely. different entirely. Dude, I love the, the example that you gave. There, there's a lot of depth to what you said. The way you started that phrase, though, um, you said you said, I would argue that. Um, I caught it. It was all harmonic. Like there's a lot of harmony in what you said, harmonic, um, and what you said. So what was the argument? Cause I missed that part. What were you arguing against? Well, I think not everyone views the world that way, right? Oh, correct. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of folks who kind of view the world as static or as, um, oppressors and oppressed or as you versus me or as us versus them or whatever. Right. right. And and rather than viewing the world as changeable, um, and that's, I, I don't, I don't think that's a popular nor common belief today. Have you read tribal leadership? I haven't read tribal leadership. You almost quoted the, the basis of that book. And it's an amazing, write it down, though. so yeah, it's a, it's a good mm -hmm. one. It's a really, really good one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's, let's dive in then I'll let you write for a minute, but what would, what, how would you describe your vision for those that you serve? Yeah, how do you see them accomplish. That's that's a big question. Uh, how much time we got? <laughs> <laughs> Two, 20 seconds. Just okay, kidding. great. Oh, good, perfect. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, so, you know, I, I started. I left the family office space and started my RAA because, but for a lot of reasons. But the main reason is because I feel like I clearly see where this business is headed over the next ten to twenty years. And uh, not only did I want to get ahead of it, but I wanted to help build it. And that was that was meaningful for me. It was exciting to me. It was what wakes me up in the morning. And um, and you know, basically, to just sketch out the vision in a nutshell, what I was doing in a family office was was building fully customized investment portfolios and monitoring them and and talking to people about 
these are your ethical constraints and these are your ethical constraints because those are different and talking about what your goals are and what we're trying to accomplish and educating and all of that stuff. Um, but I was doing it for just a handful of people, right? Not, not a wider world of people because well, I'm expensive, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you want me to sit and just build custom portfolios for you, that's, that's not cheap. But what I believe is going to happen over the next 10 to 20 years is we're going to start rolling that out for everybody. So, um, you know, we'll be able to sit down with Jackson and say, okay, here's your exact tax situation. Here's your financial goals. Here is your ethical constraints. Like, for example, I have a client whose father fought in World War II. She mm -hmm. doesn't want to own any Japanese stocks. Okay. Now, that's sure. not my ethical constraint, right? right? But it's hers. And it's not my right. job to sit there and say, well, this is dumb. You know, no, it's my job to say, this is your concern. This is what you're willing to sacrifice for it. I'm going to execute it, right? Um, and I think this is a place where financial services, I'm going down a tangent here, but I hope that's right. I like this it. is a place where financial services is really messed up because we have approached the ethical investing revolution um, in the same way we've approached every other investment issue, which is we're going to build these monolithic products and we're going to tell you what an ethical investing is. And your job is to buy it. And if you don't buy it, you're not investing ethically, right? Hmm. And I think what, what bothers me about that is like everyone's, everyone's vision of, uh, and everyone's kind of concerns in life, everyone's heart is a little bit different, right? And just that because is. yours maybe bends more towards social issues and mine bends more towards environmental issues doesn't mean that you're right and I'm wrong. It just means that we have a different vision of what we want the world to look like, right? Right. So what I view my job is, is to give you the tools to express that in your investments um, alongside all of your other goals, your financial goals. You want to retire, send your kids to college, buy a vacation home um, and so on and so forth. So anyway, back coming back from the team. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll be able to sit down with, with Jackson and all the things that make you unique, that make you completely you. We can build into an investment portfolio and then execute that. Right. And then yep. you have a fully custom a portfolio that's being monitored and run on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, I can't do that now because I can't scale it, but um, uh, the answer is technology. So, you know, building the technology currently to uh, to be able to execute this vision of what it needs to look like. And if, you, if you'll allow me, I mean, what I'm excited most about is that when you give people the tools to express themselves, not just financially, but also ethically and socially and you know, reflecting all the things that make you unique. That aggregates, right? So, so you have those tools, I have those tools, everybody has those tools, that all aggregates. And now, you know, prices in financial markets reflect not just all fundamental economic data, but also all of the ethical and social data of the society in which it operates as well. And I think that could be capitalism's greatest moment because, you know, we, we might be able to finally look at financial markets and say, yes, that is an accurate reflection of our society. Now, we may not agree with what we see in the mirror. We may not like it, but we can at least say that's an accurate picture. And I think that's the part that's most exciting to be. That is a mega vision. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and and here's what's here's one of the things that's fun about this for me, because you're you're cracking paradigms um, and and with with like a Thor like hammer. Um, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to expound on that. So if this podcast were big enough, for instance, and Fox news, CNN and others were to get a hold of this, 
one of the one of the things that would probably happen for the sake of driving clicks and conflict and drama because that's what we we love to judge as human beings we have we have been bench pressing to the max our ability to judge others and and how others do things right so when i was saying i love that you know like wow like i i said it twice um it would be very easy for somebody to twist my words and say oh jackson loves the fact that she's not and willing to invest in japanese companies jackson must be a racist um, right. you know, against Japanese people. And it's like, <laughs> that's so far out of the context of what I said, even right. though the two statements were close together. Um, but we have this, we have this, um, we have this super strong ability to, to judge and desire to protect ourselves. Yet our strengths often become our greatest weaknesses as well. And as a society, uh, we, we could use more voices like yours, Franklin, that are willing to tell, like help people see that, wait a second, Maybe we need to take a step back from judging so harshly, mm -hmm. realize that we all have certain biases um, and make some space for the reality that if, you know, if you feel a sense of stranger danger, then you may not be, you may not be comfortable with moving forward to that entity. For instance, I can't invest in a, in a Chinese company if they only speak Chinese. Mm. I don't speak Chinese. Right. I wouldn't understand what I'm doing. That's not that's not a racist thing. That's just because I don't know. I, I can't co possibly comprehend what the heck is going on. Yeah. So there's there's more to this equation and more depth to this than online. We're often willing to allow ourselves to dig into as as humanity. So I'm all for your vision. I'm excited to see it kind of blow our paradigms open. Yeah, me too. I, I uh, like I said, it's it's. It's a hard problem to solve, is what I'm finding. Okay. But um, but I think hard things are most often the things worth doing. So they're worth it. Absolutely. Nobody wants to play soccer if there's no opposing team. No, right. maybe for, maybe for thirty seconds. Um, you know. But then you're done. Then you're bored. It's like, what the heck, man? This isn't fun. Um, so we don't love to win as much as we think we do as human beings. We we love competition. Um, we love challenge. Um, my own again, humble opinions. What's your vision for you? Um, and specifically, not the path. Hmm. What's the outcome? What's what's that look like? No, for me, um, world I've domination. Had, you know, I know that's probably in. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, no, I, I've had the opportunity to think quite a lot about um, what I think my life, what I would like my life to look like, right? And and I'm I have kind of come to this. Like this is how I distill it. Um, I'm a big believer in constructing a life that you enjoy living you have to do that. Um, and work is a big part of that, you know, I mean, you, and I, I'm not a big believer in this whole work life balance idea. I think that, mm -hmm. you know, that that's a new modern, very Western idea that you separate work from your life that everywhere else in human history, you know, they're, they're always interlinked. Right. Yeah. Um, now that's not to say that you should never see your kids, for example, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm just saying that, sure. um, you know, there are times when work demands more of me um, and there are times when it demands less of me. Yep. And I'm OK with that as long as I enjoy the work. Right. And mm. you always have to do your chores. But, you know, as long as you are enjoying the work. And for me, that is building meaningful things uh, or things that I find meaningful. Now, what you find meaningful might be a little bit different. And that's great because, you know, I need someone to build an iPhone for me. I'm not going to do that. I need someone to be excited to get up on Monday and do that. And I'm going to build the thing I'm excited about and you build the thing you're excited about. But ultimately you need to be excited about something. You need to be getting up every day, excited to go to work on Monday. 
Um, because look, man, you only get so many laps around the sun and work is such a huge piece of your life that if you're going in every day and it's, it's destroying your soul, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I know you got to eat, but let's start laying plans and developing a vision for where we can go from here because I don't mm -hmm. think I could do that forever. Um, but that. then also like, that. yeah, we have more then, options than, than we're willing to admit, you know, like, I mean, I, I get it that some people, there's a risk involved. There's a massive sacrifice involved, but I mean, if you're a miner in a mining town and there's no other job, move. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, but and I, right. and I, I don't want to sit to scream at you like, like it's your fault or something, or I don't get it. I, I have my own challenges too. And I that, certainly, I don't have the struggle of having to be a miner. Right. right. Having to go through that. But there are records and, and historical records of lots of people who made the choice to make new things happen with their life. Some of them, it didn't work out. Some of it did. I, I empathize to the best ability possible. Yeah. But you're not we're not in most of our cases, our cases aren't that especially for listening to a podcast. We have the ability to move, to do Look, things different. It comes back to this idea that the world is malleable. Right. If, I mean, to use your example, if you're living in a mining town, everyone around you a miner, you've been a miner. Um, and now the town's shutting down. It's like, I mean, you can accept that this is just how the world is, or you can say, maybe I can change it. And what problems would I need to solve to get to where I want to be? Now, maybe that means I can't quit tomorrow because I need to eat tomorrow. Right. Look, hey, I'll, I'll step off my high horse for a minute too with that. I want to, I want to retract a little bit. I'm just super grateful for my great, great grandpa or great, great, great grandpa, whichever one it was. Yeah. Our family was hit by the Dust Bowl mm -hmm. in Oklahoma. We, mm -hmm. They moved. There was no option. You yeah. move. That was yeah. it. That's the, all you because could do. they made the decisions that they made, I've been blessed with the life that I've been blessed with. And so while they may, may have been a forced move and maybe they wouldn't have moved under certain circumstances, they still were able to do it. And yeah. because of that, we exist. So. Yeah, well, they, they were willing to get in the wagon or whatever and and head south. And that, as a side note, every summer in Dallas, I'm like, I don't understand why anybody settled here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> July in Dallas is brutal. You think the first July would come around and they'd be like, back in the wagon, we're going north. <laughs> right. Old Yeller shows you a lot of that, too. It's like, yeah, it's oh, that would have been hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, but it's just back to this idea that the world is malleable and your world is malleable. Yeah. Um, you just have to kind of show up and and solve problems. You, you saw The Martian, right? The, mm, the movie? Probably. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's one more. Matt Damon. Right. Ruin it for everybody. Matt Damon ends up being like, whoa, no. Yeah, okay, it on yeah uh, the book yeah. is great, by the way. I couldn't put the book down. But um, there's this great quote at the end of the movie that is fantastic. He, he's kind of like talking to, you could tell he's sort of aged a bit. And he's talking to this crew of new astronauts. And he says uh, something along, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's something along the lines of, look, you just solve the problem in front of you and then you solve the next problem and then you solve the next problem. And if you solve enough problems, you get to come home. Right. And I love that because that is, that's life, right? Like yeah. you, you're never going to not have problems. And I have worked with the wealthiest people in the world. I'm telling you, the problems don't go away. They just have more zeros attached to them right? It, it's, it's the same. We're all dealing with the same nonsense. It's just life. And you got to show up and just solve the problems as best you can. Absolutely. And, and I love the fact you talked about times we go around the sun, alluding to the reality that we have this journey that we can choose to make the most of, um, you know, or not. Um, but you know, you use the word you need to, I don't normally tell people what to do, but I think it's a very well-placed need. It's like, 
you're only hurting yourself. Um, you know, if, if you're not allowing yourself to, to break free from your limiting paradigms. So with that said, what's your worst leadership experience ever, Franklin? Oh, man, you're hitting oh, me. Dark with heavy. Yeah, no, really. No, seriously. <laughs> I, right. need, I think I need something stronger in my cup here. <laughs> no, I tell you, I have I'm been. I'm not opposed. Feel free to. <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of, uh, of poor leadership before, and I've been on the receiving end, especially in finance. Like this is a, this is a business where, you know, rent seeking is extremely common. So, so like not adding value is what I mean by that. I mean, it's just a business where, um, people have been around a long time. They've always done it one way and their clients never leave. And so they just continue to collect the check and don't really add much value. Right. So I call that rent seeking. I thought that was all finance. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no comment anyway. But, uh, um, so, so I've been on the receiving end of poor leadership, but, but I would actually attribute that less to poor leadership and maybe to, to no vision, right. Um, to places where, the answer is always just, you know, why are you rocking the boat? Why are you trying to do something different? You know, we've, we've, this is how we do it. This is how we've do it, done it since 19. Mm. We're not going to change it. And, uh, and I think that that breeds an environment of, you know, stagnation. not stagnation. Yeah. Stagnation is true, but it, but it, it just sucks the life out of the room. You know what I mean? We're not yeah, building it's worse than stagnation. You're right. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Right. We're just we're just cutting checks, basically. Yeah. And um, know, it's, it's just an icky place to be. I don't like it. I don't like that's, it. I don't that's fair. It. Uh, it's, it's a universal representation, too, that, that pretty much most people can understand. And, and yeah, if that's your culture um, is one of a safe house, you mm -hmm. know, ultimately, let's just ride this out. Um, you know, the mm -hmm. safe house is the last place on Earth you want to be. Um, you know, you don't want to be in that type of an environment. That's um, right. and so that's, uh, that's big. You said rent seeking, not adding value. Um, I'll let go of the other thing that you said there. We're going to move on to, to best. There was something there that I really wanted to hit, but mm. that's all right. I digress. What's your best leadership experience look like? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Again, that's, that's another tough question. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, I've I've really not had a lot of opportunity to see excellent leadership um, at work. I have seen um, good leadership here and there, and I've had good bosses. Don't get me wrong, um, but I, I just really link this idea of, of strong vision, powerful vision to good leadership. I think that's a key uh, a key component to any good leadership experience, and. Um, Thanks for the podcast endorsement. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Vision pros and we we're hitting it every day. We're like, yes. You're, yeah, you're welcome. You're, I paid you're, I just dropped that. as many. Yeah, that's right. I've given you as many Google <laughs> keywords as I can. But yeah, exactly. Oh, that's um, great. No, keep no, going. No, I can't. The strong vision leads to the strong leadership. And have you have you seen that? Where have you seen that at play? You know, I have seen it in the people that I have. So I, I haven't actually directly experienced it, but I've witnessed it right from the outside. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've had clients who I've really admired in terms of uh, what they've done and what they've been able to accomplish uh, and what they've been able to organize. Right. So uh, it, what's amazing to me is like we, we kind of see business as complicated. I, I don't know why it has that that ethos about it, because it's not it's not that complicated. 
And I have seen folks like I, there's this one guy I know he dropped out of college and uh, you know, he was kind of just a scrapper. He was out just scrapping together stuff and, and trying to make things work. Um, and he probably tried 50 things before he found the thing that he's doing now. Um, and he just kind of built up this little manufacturing company out of nothing. And now it's a $30 million a year business. And, you know, he's not that sophisticated. He knows his business really well. But, you know, it wasn't because he sat down and ran an Excel model and did all these stress tests on it that that's why he's in this business. No, he just showed up every day and scrapped it together and solved problems and figured it out and, and made it work. And then then what he found was that he's, he's in this business and he understands this business and he understands the industry he's in. And he's been able to kind of chart this course and, and develop this, this kind of destination of where he wants to go. Um, and man, it's, it's really something. I mean, you walk into his place and his employees are excited to be there. They're energized. You know, they, they like him. They think he's the smartest man on earth and, and he's killing it, you know? And I think I really respect stuff like that because like I said, we have this image that if you don't have an MBA, you probably can't own a business. And that's just total BS, man. Yeah. Like you, you buy something for X, you sell it for more than X, you do that enough and you're in business. That's it. Right. Those are, those are separate territories to me, but man, I want to, now I want to get some boxing gloves for this yep. show and be like, okay, it's spar time. We're, we're in the ring right. now. All right, let's um, go. You let's know, go. And, and I, I want to prelude that dude, you can knock me out. Um, you know, in this as well, like this, this is legit, but we have our first battle um, and, and that yeah. is related. To, and so let's have a healthy battle. And it's business is not complicated. I think that's, I guess, baloney. Um, and, but I come from, I come from a business world where on the marketing front, so many people right now are selling easy, yeah. cheap, simple, yeah. and they're, they're over promising. And drastically under delivering. We have a 96% failure rate in the country um, over the last 50 plus years in business. Mm. And we have a 4% survival rate, mm. not a 4% success rate. We have a 4% survival rate. And out of those, the, the, the number of businesses that are actually crushing it and have what you talked about, the appreciation of work and life. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have a hard time naming companies where we agree that they have that, um, you know, naming any companies. Um, let alone a, a bunch of companies. Um, so, but to digress a little bit, you're you're right. To me, I agree with you that no, you don't need the MBA, um, and we we need to become our own visionaries in order to know what we need. You know, it's, it's, Franklin doesn't have the answer. I don't have the answer for you. Yeah. You listening, you have the answers if you can tune into your own heart and mind and learn how to become self-aware enough to do that. And it might take you sixty years. It might take you six years. You might never make it. That's not the point. Again, it's back to that journey concept. But here's here's what I say about the battle. Business is simple. It's very it is very simple. The challenge, though, about business is business is a recipe book of over 300 re simple recipes. And you have to learn how to make those recipes on time at the right temperature for the right person for the right reason at the right price. And therein lies the complexity. Mm, mm. If you're doing complex things like you mentioned, you're gonna you're gonna destroy your chance of, of success. Oh man, I have so much like so much there to unpack. Like feel free to box me on it, man. Right. Let's, let's yeah. do it. Well, so so the the thing that I would um I agree with that recipe book analogy. I think that's exactly right. Um and business isn't easy, but it's not complicated, I think is what I'm trying to say. 
Um, but I, I will also push back on one thing you said, which Do is, we have a, you know, this, this concept of a 96% failure rate for businesses. Look, I would be interested to know um, how many of the 4%, uh, the people who had businesses that survive and succeed, how many of those people had started previous businesses that had failed, right? So the data is actually huge because you don't get you don't get one failure and you're done. You can fail as many times as you want, almost. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's certain things you can't achieve. But um, but look, it, it, that's the thing that I've seen. Our politician, I'd semantic you to death about yeah. what you just said, but you're good, man. I get it. <laughs> okay, you, you, you get the concept, right? You get what I'm trying. No, I'm just saying that like like. The, the the numbers work for you when you need a win, right? If you're looking for a big win, for example, you can fail 99 times, win once, and you're there, right? That's an Alex Hermosi reality. He's trying to paint that big for people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then on the flip side of it, though, uh, see, the, the problem that I have always tried to solve in my career is the opposite problem. So once you, once like a family has a lot of wealth, um, you have to win every time. You can't. You can't lose. If you lose it all once, you're done. You got to start over. You know. Um, but 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 getting you know kind of getting the win, and this is a good stat, right? This this is a stat most people don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over the course of your life, or of, of the average population's life, uh, it's something like eighty five percent. That's the vast majority of people will spend one year in the top one percent income earners, right? And it's because that one year they sold a business, they sold a family farm, they, you know, hit it big, something happened in their life where they, they made it big and, and, um, they spent at least one year in that spot. Um, there's this idea again, back to the world is malleable that these, that these income and wealth brackets are static and they're not, you move through them over time. Right. Um, and I think that's an important distinction, right? Just the idea that you can fail a lot and still win. It's okay. It's huge. It's huge. I I would, again, argue back, though, that even if, let's say 96% is wrong um, and that it's 50%, I'm still not, I'm not happy about that. Um, you know, we, we got things we got to fix there. Um, no, I think that's great, though. I disagree. Like, you yeah. want, I mean, you don't necessarily want a high failure rate in the abstract. But it could also be evidence that people are just trying things all the time. We're just running tons of experiments. Most of them don't work, but the ones that do work go great, or some of them go amazing. Yeah. You know. Well, but with the again, I think it shields. It's like looking. So here, you got a good point um, because I like to use the hyperbolic analogy that if my school, my kids were in a school that had a four percent pass rate, mm. uh, you know, we'd move them out like that mm-hmm. um you know and most people you see you, you even you agree with that for sure yeah mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs we accept this reality that the, the formulas are broken to an extent and mm-hmm. more could be done about it but it's not being done because mm-hmm. there's no incentive for the banks to change the, mm-hmm. the documentation that they're asking for for getting started with loans and stuff like that mm-hmm. there's no incentives for venture capitalists to do that they all have protections built into the contracts not to drive some conspiracy i don't think it's that i think it's a matter of that stagnation that you're talking about mm-hmm. earlier about why rock the boat, right? Mm-hmm. That things are good for people. They're not going to rock the boat, but there's a large majority of people that while we could now, so let me write, let me digress back to my analogy. I probably wouldn't be the parent who pulled my kids from that school. I would be the parent who goes and tries to make a difference. Mm-hmm. That's, powerful. That's my nature. 
Um, and it's so against the nature of, of most people, even, even people who support me, like Jackson, just shut up, man. And, you know, don't get your head chopped off in the process. But I wouldn't yeah. have a microphone if I was, you know, if I, uh, I was worried about that too much. Yeah. But, you know, we, we can make adjustments and changes to optimize the processes. That's what you're working on um, with with your mega vision. And that's my ultimate suggestion is, no, we're not we're not trying to shut down the banks or call it the wealthy from my perspective. We're trying to say, hey, let's make some optimizations to this process, because what would happen to our economy? If double the amount of entrepreneurs won, given that we're already one of the strongest economies in the world. Yeah, I think we'd be in a much better position. I um. So I, I don't think I disagree with anything you just said. And if you want to talk about kind of how we can modify systems and policies, and especially financial systems and financial policies to better benefit entrepreneurs and to give people the best chance of success, I could talk for days about that. I've got tons of ideas and I 100% agree. It I'd is, love to host you on our other show. Most people don't know we have one, but it's I called really Power Take. And it's Power, the Power yeah. Take is a business news show. Um, and we can take a lot of time on that to dive into that particular subject without um, sacrificing the framework of of this particular show. Yeah. Um, so we we didn't get into powerful lesson, um, but if you were to share one really fast, um, if you had if this is the last chance to share a lesson with all of us on visionary opportunities and the experience, what would it be? Man, I think just uh, the the world responds to action. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. Um, you show up every day, you just do what you can do. Uh, you learn what you can learn and, and go. I mean, you don't need someone to tell you it's okay to go. Just go. Law of physics. I love it. That's awesome, man. Well, Franklin, thank you for being here. Vision pros. Uh, I hope you gained as much out of this as I did. Um, feel free to like, subscribe, comment. That certainly helps. Share this with friends that might benefit from it. If you want to connect with Franklin as well, uh, what, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I accept most connection requests there. Um, I wrote a book, so check that out. It's on Amazon. And awesome. uh, always about the good conversation. So if you if you buy the book, I'd love to chat with you about it. That's fantastic. Uh, I know a lot of people have never contacted the author of a book. In this case, you have an open invitation to do so. Um, you know, and it, it seems that, or not seems, Franklin not only survived, but thrived in the sparring ring with me. So if you have alternative concepts, bring them his way. This is a lot of fun, Franklin. Thank you for being Thanks here today. Thanks for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. So Vision Pros, if you want to apply to be on the show, don't hesitate to do so. Um, you know, we can, it, it, when you go to the landing page, for Franklin's information, you'll have the links to subscribe from him. And then down below that, there's actually an application to share your own vision. We would love to host you. If you got a great vision out there, come and share it with us. All right. Everybody take care. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time. And